Congregation, we will consider this morning our the chapter 17 of the book of 1 Samuel. Let me only read verse 45. One of the key verses, 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, to God, to the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. So far. The giant killed by David, with the help of the Lord, six fought. A threat to David. Verses 1 through 11. An observant David. Verse 12 through 23. A challenge David. Challenged by his brother Eliab and by Saul. In the verses 24 through 27. Attempts to discourage David. The faith of David. And the kill of David. The giant killed by David, a threat to David, an observant David, a challenge for David, attempts to discourage David, the faith of David, and the kill of David. Congregation, young friends, boys, girls, you know this Bible story, don't you? Maybe you're looking forward to it and say, I like to hear that. But you know the most important thing is for yourself, that you learn a lesson from this, right? So ask the Lord in your heart to teach you something spiritual from this Bible story for you personally. So we are in Israel, in this, in this story, in the valley of Elah. It's still in Israel. You can still find it. The people have found it. Kind of a shallow valley, not really high mountains. There are hardly any high mountains, only in the very north of Israel. Kind of small hills, like the size of little mountain. A valley in between. And I see on both sides of the valley an army. I see the army of the Philistines on one side. And the army of Israel on the other side. And they are armed and ready to fight. And sometimes they faint and they discharge and go back again. But nobody is really making contact. Nobody is actually really fighting. They're just paralyzed. And they, they doesn't, there's, there's no, no way to go forward. They're afraid from both sides to attack. But after a while, I see on one of those hills a soldier coming. He comes out of the army of the Philistines, and it's, it's a tall, broad-shouldered man. He impresses almost everyone. His name is Goliath. Goliath was probably nine feet tall. He was a giant, maybe one of the descendants of the Anakites. And they really existed those days. And by the way, also later in history, there are people that are. This is not a fable. This is not a tale. This is real. And this man was a warrior from his youth, a trained soldier. And just look at him. Look at this coat. He had a coat of metal, a metal coat. How can it be? Well, all little pieces, all little scales, and all those scales kind of attached to his shirt, a cotton shirt probably, and all the little scales overlapping a little bit. And that was his coat. And it, they say that it was at least... 80 kilos heavy. 
your soul had a lens between his shoulders? I think that's what it says in verses 5 and 6. So we read in 5 and 6, And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. There was the coat of all those pieces of, of metal, those scales, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and shields for his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. A target of brass, probably a lance of brass carrying between his shoulders on his back. And also the spear, a wooden spear with an iron point. And that point, that iron point, was 10 kilos heavy. You know, this man was a living tank. And who was willing to fight with him? This man, this Goliath, had a proposal. He yelled and was bragging and he said to the people of Israel, what about this deal? That I fight with one of you. And if you don't have bloodshed all over the place, there's two people fighting. If I win, you're my servants. If you win, we're your servants. And then he started accusing the God of Israel. So that was Goliath's method. And he did that for quite a long time. Actually, 40 days, twice a day, he came forward, he was a bragging, he was cursing the God of Israel, and the people of Israel, the army of Israel was frozen, and they listened to that, and they were so afraid they did not have much courage left. So I read in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid, discouraged, paralyzed. Do not forget that the Holy Spirit was taken away from Saul. And Saul also therefore had no courage. Because if he would have had the Spirit of the Lord yet, he would have fought himself. He would have had the courage. He would have done his best. But he was also paralyzed himself. Saul was dismayed and sore, greatly afraid. He didn't realize that this battle was a spiritual battle. He looked at the outer things. He looked at that man. He looked at his helmet, his, 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 his lance, and his spear. And he looked at the huge shield that some army member was carrying in front of him. Saul looked at things and that terrified him. You know, this is not new. That the church or that Israel has to deal with battle with an army, with an enemy. Think of Cain and Abel. Was Abel not also slain by Cain? It's the same thing. The same hostility. And count on it, people of the Lord. Count on it that Satan does not sit still. There is still a fight going on. And Satan knows to find God's people. He knows how to attack them. And he is so against them. He wants to hurt them. He wants them to suffer shipwreck. He hopes that they will lose their salvation. And he wants to prevent the church to flourish. And he does not want people to be converted. He's a murderer from the beginning. And he's a liar. He's real. And that's what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Right? Therefore, the apostle continues, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So God's people also need armor. They need a sword. They need also those boots, those military boots that you read for yourself. In Ephesians 6, there's still a spiritual war going on. There's still enemies. And the enemy is the world, right? And Satan. But also our own flesh. Remember that enemy that was attacking Joseph? Joseph, his, the wife of Potiphar, who was on a daily basis inviting him to sin, come with me. Right? He was also attacking him. He, 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 he could he was standing at that, at that time. He did not fall. But this, this David you're going to talk about this morning, he was attacking and slaying Goliath, but he fell into the sin with Bathsheba, right? There are also there are more enemies. And this is not all about David. This is about the God of David. So don't forget there are enemies today as well, also politically. Think of anti-Semitism also today. Think of Iran and Hezbollah are so against the people of Israel and want them to, 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 to destroy them, to annihilate them. So it is also that same hostility of Satan. And also sometimes God's people in their own heart. As we read in Psalm 42, as with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? So there are enemies everywhere, inside and politically and sometimes even in families, sometimes even in domestic violence. It's really messy on earth. It's really difficult, this life. For the son dishonored the father, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and man's enemies are the men of his own house. So there are enemies, like Goliath. And also the Apostle Peter talks about it. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. It is not strange. It is common. Strife, war, attack, enemies, we all experience them. And God's people in a very special sense. So there is that Goliath. But let's go to the second part. David. You remember David, right? Where was he? Children? He was in the palace of King Saul. Right? When King Saul was in a bad mood... He played play the harp, remember? And then King Saul calmed down, and he, he liked him. Well, that did not take long, that relationship. Don't think that David stayed years and years and years in the palace of King Saul, absolutely not. I don't know for how long, but not long. Because that king Saul was a capricious man. I mean, unpredictable, unreliable, and someone very impulsive. And David was already home for years in the meantime, as you read in verse 15. 
But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So David was home again. And after a couple of years, Saul did not even remember him. He was someone he had forgotten about. Did he even remember his name, I wonder? Do you sometimes forget the name of people you have worked with a couple of years ago? Who is it again? No idea. Now, David was also a person that was not on Saul's mind too often. So he was still a teenager. Maybe he was still 19, 20 years old. But yet too young, I would think, for the army. His older brothers were in the army. Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah were in the army. David was too young for that, I suppose. And his father was old. So his father could not, could not come, could not see what was happening. So he see the three older brothers of David involved in the army, and David is called by his father Jesse, and he is asked to also visit them and to bring some bread and some parched corn and some cheese, and to bring it also to the captain of the thousand. So Jesse is doing that. Jesse sends David, and David is going. Jesse said unto David, His son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn. Ephah is probably 22 liters. And these 10 loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry this Jesus they stand cheese into the captain of their thousands and look how their brethren fare and take their pledge, see how they are doing, and maybe you can give them the greetings. So David is doing that. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and was bringing the food to the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put a battle in array and army against army. So David came there. He also left the cheese there and then also the, the, the carriage with the keepers, with the servants, and then he ran into the army, into the camp. Because he wanted to find his brothers. And that was exactly the time that the champion came. The champion, Goliath. And champion is a difficult word in the original. I still have not figured it out. But it must be something like a middleman, an, a median, a representative. I think we represent is probably the best word. He was the representative of the Philistines. So he came there at the same time. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard him. David heard him. David heard that Goliath raving and ranting and defying the army of Israel, the army of the living God, and that deeply hurt him. David was really touched by that. And it just made him so upset. He, he heard it. And you don't forget, young people, that David was someone with the tender fear of God in his heart. And now someone cursing God. That really was difficult for him. And it made him so upset. He felt the love in his own heart for the Lord. 
And now this man saying such harsh words about his, his Lord, he could not handle that. And he, he almost cried. He, he, his heart broke under that. Is that also true for us? And people are raving and ranting in the newspaper or in lectures or on the internet, and they're just so hard on the Bible, so hard on pro-life, so hard on the truth, so hard on Reformed theology. Is there also something you heard that breaks? Just have no know that pain, the pain of God's name being blasphemed and not honored and glorified. David heard it. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. So David saw it happening. He saw it happening that so many soldiers were trembling and just went back into array. Some of them had come down and kind of given the impression that they were going to fight and they, and they left again. They went back again. So David was challenged. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. So David heard it. David heard that, if someone would kill this man, Saul had said, I will give three benefits. I will make him rich. He may marry my daughter. He will be a prince. And his family does not have to pay taxes for the rest of their life. She was coming with an incentive, with a prize, and hoping to find someone who was willing to give his life for this and hopefully would win and not have to give his life for that. But David heard this. And there was kind of a, a Hebrew way of, of mentioning things. David asked the people, what is that? What did you say? What shall be done to the man that killed the Philistine? And they repeated after him. And people answered him after these men saying, So shall be done to the man that killed him. Are you interested? Did you ask? Yes, he was. So David asked, What shall they do to the man? Because he wanted to show interest in that. And they brought him. Therefore, to Saul. But his brother Eliab first wanted to say something. Eliab must have been holding the grudge that he was not anointed as king. His younger brother was. He was the oldest. Did he feel bypassed? Was he upset with David? Did he hate his younger brother? Was the jealousy in place? He couldn't stand it, maybe? Anyway, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when they spake unto the men, and his anger was kindled against David. What are you doing here? But what's the purpose, eh? anyway? And where did you leave the sheep, David? And I know you. So he is just ridiculing him. What are you doing here? You have no business here. Go home, please. We don't need you. And you have different responsibilities. You walk away from your job. Do your job. Go home. Keep the sheep. That's your responsibility. So what are you doing here? 
And I know you. I know your heart, David. I know what's, I know your, your motives. I, I know you well, well enough. You're my brother. And it's just pride. Pride and curiosity. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. See that? That's, that's what Satan is doing. What are you doing here? That's what Satan is saying. Do your own thing. That's what Satan is saying. I know your heart. But Eliab did not know David's heart. He was not God. And you can't look at anyone's heart, into anyone's heart. We don't know. Never say that, please. Even in a marriage, you would say you know one another. But don't say, I know you, I know why you do this. I know why you say this. Don't do that. You don't know. You don't know. I know thy pride. He is accusing him. Doesn't help. In any discussion. Makes people only more upset. When you have a conversation with people and a disagreement, don't say you're, this is your pride, or this is this, or this is that, I know you. You don't know it. Just deal with the facts. And don't accuse. And David... Responds. And he says, simply, what have I done now? Is there another cause? What's the matter? What's the problem? And he just turns around, turns away from his brother. He does not want a discussion like this. He does not want to fight with his brother. So he turned from him towards another, in verse 30. And spake after the same manner. Again the people answered him, him after the same manner. And when the words were heard which, which David spake, they rehearsed him before Saul, and he sent for him. See, David indicated that he was probably interested. She was asking, what shall they do to the man? What does it again? So David was showing interest. And then David comes to Saul. And what a courage he shows. What a faith he shows. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So he comes to Saul, and Saul doesn't say, Good to hear. I pray for you. Let us do it. Just go. No, he says, You can do this. This man is a killing machine. He is a living tank. And you are just a youth. You're just a boy. You can't do that. He is kind of discouraging him, isn't he? He doesn't believe that David will be able to do that. He is instilling fear. You can't do that. You are too young. You are too old. You are too dumb. You are not gifted. You just push him back. Is that not happening more often? That Satan tries to paralyze? That Satan shows that there's no way you can ever do that? Did 
I say I not say I am a man of unclean lips? Did Jeremiah not say I am too young? Did Moses not say I can't speak? See, that is unbelief. And that's what Eliab and Saul are hoping for. That is unbelief and that David will not do it. Because they have no trust in him. You are not able. David was not an experienced warrior at all. He was a youth himself, and this, and this, this, this man was a warrior from his youth, and trained and experienced. So there's no way, absolutely no way. And so the Lord might be also discouraging you to solve the problem, to respond to that calling. Unbelief. Discouragement. But then the faith of David, 34 to 39. Luke 32, David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and will fight with the Philistine. So, Saul says, You can't. David says, Yes, I can. There's a faith. And Saul said, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And the man of war, he made a war from his youth. And David said, Saul, I remember things. When I look back in my life, the Lord has helped me several times. So clearly, I trust in him. One time, I was in the field with the sheep, and there was a bear coming. And the bear wanted to attack, to kill one of the sheep. And I went after that animal. And I had my javelin or my spear, and I killed the bear. I just threw it right into his heart or something. I killed the bear. And it was a lion also trying to find, to trying to take one of the lambs. And I just walked up to the lion, and I grabbed the beard of that animal. And I killed it myself as well. So I'm... I'm I'm able to do this. Thy servant, 36, slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. He remembers. It's good to remember things. People of the Lord, do you remember those things that the Lord has spoken so clearly? Do you remember those days in the past that the Lord opened the door of salvation and the Lord made the impossible possible? Don't you remember those days that you were stuck and unconverted and a hopeless case? And the Lord spoke through his word. Do you remember? He has not changed. Maybe you wrote it down. It, it, it's, not, it's not bad to write down things. When the Lord opens your heart and when the Lord speaks to your soul, write, write, write it down. And maybe 10, 20 years later, you can read it. And that might help you with it. Yes. I remember. It was so lively. It was so real in, at, at those times. And the Lord is not changed. I, I change, but he doesn't change. I recommend writing something down. Or when the Lord speaks. That's why it is good to sometimes look back and to remember the experiences of God's people. 
the Lord has delivered me out of the power of the lion, out of the power of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. So David is not bragging. He's not saying, I slew that, that animal, and I did myself. No, he said, the Lord, the Lord that delivered me out of the power of the lion. So Saul is not convinced. But he says, try my armor then. So here is my armor. And try it. And David tried it. And he said, I cannot go with these. But I proved them. And David put them off him. He, t- he took it off. He, he could not carry such a heavy armor. So he took five smooth stones out of the brook. One commentary said, stones like tennis balls? I don't think so. Because he put five of them in the pouch, right? So probably smaller. Smooth stones. He takes them along. Put in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in, in, in the script, and the sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. What a courage. The Lord was with him. And don't we see the Lord Jesus in here? Don't we see the Lord Jesus being ready? He I come to do thy will, O God. And what did the Lord Jesus have in his hands? Did he have an earthly kingdom? Did he have an army? No, he had also he had his own life. And he was that youth. And he was able to slay Satan. And he said, if you need me, let them go. So he was experienced in that sense. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he may have looked like a youth. He may have looked like someone meek and tender. But he is the Almighty God. He also has a divine nature. And he was able to slay the wicked. And he did but also the faith of him, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, that even said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was willing to go, and he was willing to slay the wicked, and he did not go back. Thomas said, let us not go. Let us not go to Jerusalem. Let us stay here in, in the north. And the Lord Jesus said, no, we are going to Jerusalem. And they said, they will kill thee. The Lord Jesus kind of said, that's right. They will kill me, but that's life for my people. And then, the last thought, Goliath was slain. Do you see David standing there with a few stones in his pouch, and with his sling in his hand, and a staff with him, And he is approaching that giant. And the giant approaching him. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare his shield for him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. He mocked him. He said, boy, a kid? Coming to me, he laughed. He laughed his head off. He ridiculed him. And I suppose the whole army of the Philistines is laughing. This is no match. This is ridiculous. This is a boy coming. Just small and ruddy. And he looks like he looks so young yet. He looks almost feminine. And the Philistine said to David, And what about your staff? Am I not? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. 43. That is the wrong thing to do. To curse God's people. To curse in the sense of Genesis 12. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. 
And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So when you curse God's people, God's will curse you. I suppose it is still valid today. If you curse Israel, the Lord will curse you. The people of Israel is still a special people to God, according to Hebrews, according to Romans 9, 10, 11. So just keep it in mind. But also in the church, when people curse the church and curse God's people, there are consequences of that. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls, to the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But David was not impressed. And David said to the Philistine, You know, you come to me with what? You come with a sword. What's the sword? You come with a spear. What's the spear? With a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. The Lord of the hosts of the armies. The angels, right? I come in the name of the God who is the Almighty One with the angels, with the host of angels. The God, the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. So I come in a different way. And this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. I will smite thee. I will take thine head from thee. You know, David was not afraid to say those things. And apparently loud enough for the Philistine to hear that. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth knowledge, sword, and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So David is so filled with courage and with hope, and he was resting upon those promises of the Lord, that they will, he will bless them that bless me and curse them that curse me. And all the assembly shall know that. That the battle is the Lord's. That's a theme in the Bible, right? One of the themes in the Bible is that the people may know that I am the Lord. And that's the Lord's purpose with everything. That people may know that he is the Lord. So the Lord makes himself great this way. And makes himself known this way. And came to pass, and the Philistine arose, and came and drew nigh to David, that David hasted and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. So David was not hesitant, not shy. I'm not so sure that. He was filled with courage, and he knew, I, I, I can do this. With the help of the Lord. And he ran towards him. He ran towards him. And David put his hand in the bag, took thence a stone, and a sling it. And they know how to do that. In that country, they still use the sling to kill a bird. So he was trained in that. He was trained in slingshots. And this was, this was very fast, immensely, immensely fast. It was not unique in that sense. And he just let that stone go, and it hits the forehead of the Philistine. And the stone sunk into his forehead. It just broke his skull. That's how fast it was. It was a miracle. It was so trained. Now something remarkable here. The Lord had said to David, I will take care of it, take care of it. But it was not that Goliath fell sick or that he had a heart attack or that the 
ground opened and that he was swallowed up like Korah, Dathan, Byron. No, the Lord used David's slingshot and stone to kill him. David did something. He did something. In faith. So faith does not sit still. Faith does not say, the Lord, the Lord. In, in this faith, he is using the means. And he, he knows that he has to do it this way. And he fell upon his face to the earth. I suppose first on his knees it happened. And then flat his face on the earth. You know, you may say this is awful, right? But this man went to hell. This man was not saved. He had to meet with his maker. He had to meet with the God of David. And it must have been such an awful thing. It, not, not that he was decapitated was that bad. Not that he, that he died in itself was that bad. But that he fell into the hands of the living God. That's the bad thing. You know, whether it is cancer, a heart attack, or an accident, that's not that important. But if you're prepared, if you're prepared, whatever, you may enter into the kingdom of God and have the real joy of God's people and have no strife and no enemies anymore. But if you die without God like this man, then eternal, unquenchable fire and brimstone, and then always realizing that you have been enemy of God's people and that you don't know that grace, and then to experience to the fullest, it is too late. It's too late. So take all the warnings you get. All the warnings you get in this life. Sicknesses and almost accidents and what, 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 what happened. Take it to heart. And realize that you someday will meet with the God of David. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. So he took the sword of Goliath and cut off his head. As I said, don't focus on that too much. Hell is more serious than that. And then I see all those Philistines fleeing. There was the deal now that if someone of Israel would win the war, that they would be the servants. So they don't keep their promise. They, they flee. And the men of Israel followed and pursued them and wounded. And the wounded Philistines fell down by the way to Sha'arain, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel turned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistines, he said, Abner, who is this youth? Who is this young man? Didn't he know? He must have forgotten. He must have not been so familiar with him. Or did he only ask, whose son is this again? Is this the... Is, is, what family is he from? Is he from a known family? And the answer is he's from, from Jesse's family. His father is Jesse. Because Saul begins to realize that this man will be his son-in-law, right? So the explanation is different. Some say he had forgotten about him. And some say he was only asking 
about his family. Congregation, we have to pray. Lead us not into temptation. What is the real danger in your life? What, is, what enemy is after you? What sin tries to kill you? What is it? We need to fight that good fight of faith with the help of the Lord. We need to have that full armor of God. Remember? Full armor of God. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual, spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. You read to yourself. Ephesians 6. So we suddenly see here in this chapter. The spirit had been taken away from Saul. And the spirit is on David. And slowly but certainly we begin to see that this David is going to replace Saul. And even the people are going to be ready for that. Slowly but certainly the Lord shows the people that David is the new king and eventually they will choose him. Eventually, he will be anointed again as king of Judah, anointed again as king of Israel. So the Lord slowly begins to reveal David. And so the Lord reveals us, so the Lord Jesus to us in the word. Sometimes the Lord takes time for that. Sometimes he goes faster, sometimes slower. But he's revealing to his people. It is in this David, in this son of the living God. Congregation, this is not an allegory. This is not a tale. This is not just a story. It is real. And it is a warning for all of us. The warning is, seek peace with the God of David. Amen.